come with me into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my work. Let me lead you into it. Let me take you into the mind of a woman who is mad. Hi, and welcome to Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, a good ghoul's guide to horror. I'm your poltergeist, Kinsey. I'm your poltergeist, Donna. And I'm your poltergeist, Mac. And this week, we saw the Fathom event, which was the 40th anniversary of the Stephen King, John Carpenter film, Christine. So let's, you know, go around. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Had you seen it before? And we all kind of had the same movie going experience because we actually saw it together, which was really awesome. Yeah, we we had a lot of fun. In fact, I think uh, had canon the people sitting in front of us were another podcast crew and they are recording right now talking about the obnoxious assholes who were sitting behind them. (laughs) But I didn't think we were that obnoxious. I thought we We were were right at the beginning. I think we chilled out, but at the very beginning, we were pretty obnoxious. Well, we were the biggest group and there were two other smaller groups in there. So we, you know, as a, as I looked before, it was like nine tickets total were sold, and that's counting the four of us. So, but we had we had fun. I had seen this movie before. In fact, I have a story about my mom that I want to share that how this movie irrevocably altered her opinion of Stephen King. But yeah, uh, I had seen it before. This movie holds a ton of nostalgia for me, and uh, I enjoy the movie. I think. Not so much because it's an incredibly good movie. Though, you know, it's John Carpenter. It it doesn't suck. Um, not because it's such a great movie, but just because it's, you know, a really nostalgic movie for me. There you go. I enjoyed it. All right. I had seen it probably 20 years ago or so and uh, had not rewatched it until this summer when I went on my, you know, John Carpenter walk around and uh, uh, marched through all of his movies. It's... It's a tree. It's not the best Carpenter. It's not the best King. It's also a weird point of demarcation in his career. Uh, I think the immediate pre- preceding film for this was The Thing. And after that many sort of box box office busts, he was going for what would sell a little bit uh, more. And he also, like, up until that point, all of his movies had Dean Cundy doing... Uh, cinematography but this is like i think the thing was the last one um and then he's working with other cinematographers so like the the framing of everything and the lighting of everything feels fine but it's not like ah that's the good shit so i I, but i i agree with donna it's it's it doesn't suck so i had never seen this before and i know which is absolutely shocking (laughs) i know both of you were like wait really (laughs) I, I had not, I knew of it, I knew, and I don't think growing up, I knew it was a Carpenter film. I don't think it was until probably like the last five or so years that I knew that. So I hadn't seen it before going, you know, and really, and I never read the King book, but, you know, about halfway through, and I know it's when the Carpenter score kicks in, but the, I really then started having fun. Like, I don't know if you can say about a homicidal car. <laughs> It is oddly withholding with the Carpenter score. It's also a weird turning point in that where he's writing less music for his films. He's still doing it, 
but it's it's not there as omnipresent like it was in the early stuff. Yeah, there there is that Christine theme that's yeah. sound. Oh, that's just him. Like, yeah, that's, that's John Carpenter right there. Yeah, yeah. We we listened to that driving home <laughs> that night, but yeah, no, I just I I you know once we got to that point, I'm like, okay, I I know what I'm. It, it just became fun, but not the best of either. But I had a good time. Is this a Beyond the Cabin in the Woods first where Kenzie is the only poltergeist <laughs> who has not seen the movie in question? I think it is in it, all it of our. Mu- I think it, so. Okay, yeah. I, I, like with a new movie, none of us have seen it. Yeah. But a, 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 an old established movie that not only has Kenzie not seen it, but all of the other poltergeists of the moment. Have. I mean, this is this is wild. Not only has Kenzie not seen it, but it's a John Carpenter and a Stephen King. Throw that Kenzie all in there, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's it's a lot to unpack. It yeah. is a lot to to unpack for for everybody. Because <laughs> yeah, as the week went on before we we went and watched it, the more I thought about it, and I kept telling Billy, I was like, I don't think I've seen this, you know, because I'd read just a little little snippets just to see if something would register. And as the movie got going, I was like, yeah, I have not seen this at all. I think about in the first five minutes, I leaned over to Donna. I was like, yeah, Donna, I haven't seen that. <laughs> so it just makes me so happy. <laughs> I mean, with my Carpenter Renaissance this year, there were things I hadn't seen. Some things I didn't really love. Like I finally saw Vampires with James Woods, which is yeah, a John Vampire. Carpenter movie. Not yeah. so much. No. But I, I had n- never seen Assault on Precinct 13 before this year. And that movie is dope as hell. So, like, really good Carpenter for the first time. That's that's very nice. Yeah, Vampires, it's it's a weird... Uh, that's one I can say I saw in the theaters. That does not surprise me. Yeah. If you have not seen this one, definitely surprised. <laughs> so, for those of you that don't know what Christine is about, Max Nemesis IMDb wants you to know a nerdish... Boy buys a strange car with an evil mind of its own. No, no, I've, I've got to stop you right there. Th- that is not what this movie is about. This movie is a PSA about a small town that has a high incidence. This is a very special movie about a small town with a high incidence of can't get off the road disease. <laughs> and one very special teenager who not only has can't get off the road disease, but she has slow walk gazelle like disease these are all scientific terms from our resident uh doctor <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. this dumb bitch stands there <laughs> while christine is going approximately a quarter miles an hour and just stands there with her gazelle legs you can go on <laughs> i don't know if i can follow that donna i'm just gonna be real honest with you slow walk gazelle leg disease yeah look it up <laughs> they're definitely going to disagree with slow walk gazelle disease because they say uh, a strange car with an evil mind of its own and his nature starts to change to reflect it. Okay. Sure. Yeah. If you want to take a literal reading of it, but Vinnie Barbarino's stunt double meets his (laughs) earned end is the actual synopsis. But also the original version of Halloween ends. Like, the fingerprints of this, like, Halloween Ends is to Christine as Halloween 2018 is to the original Halloween 
uh, takes place predominantly at an auto shop. Uh, we've got uh, it's Howie, right? Uh, Howard, well, Arnie. Arnie, 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 right? Howard Cunningham. <laughs> yes, thank you for uh, Arnie. But and then in Halloween ends, we have Corey Cunningham. Yeah, the the without like it, it's Halloween ends except there's a car. Michael Myers is the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and see, to me, this film, this is if Halloween and Carrie had a baby. Like that's what mm-hmm. I see. Like, like that was like one of my first notes was this is which boy is Carrie. Halloween ends. <laughs> that this is boy Carrie mm-hmm. because different supernatural things swaying, not so popular kids. Like it's yeah. Well, that's actually a really nice segue, if you don't mind. None at all. Into my analysis of this, actually, this story where it hits some of the same beats as the book. This is some of Stephen King's greatest hits right here. Okay. We've got the bullied kid and the bully. And Stephen King's bullies are interesting characters because... He actually seems to admire the bullies in in an interesting way. Like, they're surrounded by dummies. I mean, the minions of the bully are nothing. But the bully themselves is a a predator. Like, they're smart and they're cunning. And they're, you know, they they are a predator. I remember it was either in... Carrie, or it might have been in the book, Christine, the bully character has this moment where he realizes he's in trouble, and it makes this comment about him fastening his seatbelt for the first time in his life. I think that's Carrie. I think yeah, that, I think it is Carrie. Because I think it's it's Chris that does it. Yeah, yeah. and he, he's he's like, okay, and he fastens his seatbelt, which is, which is a mark of somebody who's like, Okay, I'm going to survive this and fastens his seatbelt. So his bullies are really interesting characters. He's got the overbearing mom. Now, oddly, the overbearing mom isn't religious in Christine. Normally, his overbearing moms are fanatically religious. And then, of course, we've got the haunting thing, the unstoppable haunting thing. But interestingly, Arnie has the same character arc as Jack from the haunt from the shining. Um, and even more interesting, they left enough stuff out of the book that I've got to say Jack from the book and Arnie from the book have the same character arc and Arnie from the movie and Jack from the movie kind of have the same character arc. So I find that really interesting. And one of the things I mean by that, for instance, Arnie in the book has time to become a likable character. I don't feel like Arnie in the movie really has time to become really likable. You didn't have enough with Arnie where Carrie, you saw a lot of Carrie before, you know, as she's learning her powers, even before that. And you really like her that you're rooting for her that like Carrie has become kind of a whole meme of the good for her. Cause that's kind yeah. of, you know, you kind of at that point at the prom, a lot of people are on Carrie's side, like 
good for her, you know. Yeah, I mean, you feel bad for her. Yeah. You're maybe not thrilled that she's murdering an entire high school. No. But you're still Yeah. You know, you 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 understand her. Right. Where I don't think we get enough of that with Arnie. Like you're Arnie's more like, okay, it's a light switch going off. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you don't get enough of that transformation to feel bad for him. But I and do it, it, it kind of makes me sad because in, in the book you get enough time with Arnie to like him. And I do agree with you that this is like bullet point king, like 80s king. Like there's uh because I think I leaned over to you at one point and I even said that I'm like, man, this is like 80 Stephen King. Like when I think about some of his stuff, like this is like hitting all those beats. To the point where he may not remember having written it. <laughs> I don't remember him talking about Christine the way he talked about Cujo uh, yeah. in his on writing book. Yeah. You, you picked the reference right out of the ether that I was trying to make. Yes. Yep. You top marks. <laughs> <laughs> now, I am interested because I just recently read that Brian Fuller is going to be remaking Christine. And I think will get that scowly face curious face yeah i thought he was wrapped up in the like friday the 13th origin series at the moment he may be yeah but like i he's had too many projects before so yeah yeah i'm i i'm intrigued enough yeah i guess my first big question is you really can't move christine very far in time no there's there's it's really kind of stuck in a certain time period. But I think we'll get more of the aspect of getting to know Arnie with it being fuller. Yeah. And I, I think the the homoerotic charge between uh, Arnie and literally every other male character in the in, in the story <laughs> would be at, at minimum turned up. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm glad I'm not the only one that picked up on that because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like. Just he's so y'all date each other, like, yeah, like y'all want to date each other. Thank you for saying that, though. By the way, one thing this movie does really well, um, I think with Arnie is because there's that whole trope of Hollywood ugly, and I feel like with Arnie, they really hit it. Like, Arnie as a nerd, like, that dude's a nerd, like, he he is he is no insult here like he's an unattractive nerd and they did they did a lot the 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 costuming did a lot of work the hair did a lot of work you know but also just putting him in flattering clothes and fixing his hair that was a nice looking dude i mean that was a that was a good pick of an actor who could just change his you know his posture and his the way he what was the word i'm looking for his demeanor thank you demeanor and and go from yep that's an unattractive nerd dude to whoo who daddy <laughs> well in a couple like a few years later he's in uh back to school and he's wearing like good looking 80s clothes and he, it's just i mean i do agree it's it is definitely the actor and the costuming just the way he carries himself and it's mm-hmm. you know because it's like oh okay yeah uh, 
you know, be, just because of the the trappings of the car, I would agree with Donna that you can't move the the story ahead. But also, I think there is a universality of the attachment a teenager will have to their first car. Maybe it's just a guy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that rang true to me, even though I'm, you know, several years younger than even the characters are being depicted in the uh, film or even, you know, I was born the year after the movie came out. But there is a a, a weird impulse to anthropomorphize your first car. It is a symbol of freedom and, and establishing your own identity uh, outside of the confines of your parents or anything else. Uh, that's a a very universal theme uh, so much so that they could bastardize it and water it down and make it the 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 basest fuel for a transformer movie true yeah well part of what i mean by that of course is that christine is a 58 plymouth theory that's i i I follow you that's just what it is but even if you were to take that and say make it a a charger yeah or you know, maybe even make it a one of those giant SUVs, you know, whatever. But Christine's got to be she, now. Yeah. She's got to be a sports car. She's got to be a big car. Yeah, I agree. And we have gone through a few phases where smaller, streamlined cars were popular. So it she's got to be from an era where a big, muscly sports car was popular, which which kind of limits your. And she's got to be an old car. She's got to be a classic car. Maybe yeah. a Mustang GTO. Maybe a maybe a 67, 68. Yeah, that's what it feels like it would have to be a period piece. On that front, yeah. I would agree with you. Yeah. So you you do have some limits on, on what time period you could even set it in. But honestly, I'd be really angry if Christine were not a 58 Plymouth Fury. I kind of like the idea of... If this does happen, it's still a 58 Plymouth Fury. Set in modern times, Arnie of today is working on that. And I kind of like that idea. Given what Christine is, that would still work. Yeah. You could feed more into it. It's like, why are you fixing up this junk car? Like, you can... Because I guess that was one of the things that I didn't realize this is supposed to be set in 78. Because I knew the movie came out in 83. So I'm sitting here... Okay, so it's set in the eighties, but then when I see nineteen seventy-eight at the you know, after the 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 modern day scene, I was like, Oh, oh, we're set in seventy-eight. Oh, okay. The fall of seventy-eight. Like, yeah. Carpenter's got a real type there. He does, he does. Yeah. <laughs> but also time mattered in this film. Yeah. Yeah. So so here's here's a thing from the there's a few things from the book that kind of got left out that I think hurt the film a little bit one of them for instance was that christine repaired herself by moving she had to move she had well not even move it was her odometer spinning that repaired her so she didn't just sit there and repair herself and reverse crush yeah yeah and reverse crush exactly um that was you know See, okay, so that I had Those that were question. Okay, special effects. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Not bad. Well, that was a question that I had because I noticed we had several shots of that odometer rolling back, and I was like, okay, and it was one of those. It was a question, but and I meant to ask you mm-hmm. later, but and then then it just escaped my mind. <laughs> this, this was this is unfortunately a thing that has 
I don't remember. I remember it being a big deal in the book, what's going to happen when the odometer reaches zero, but I don't remember what happened when the odometer reached zero. Um, so, uh, but that was something that was talked about a lot. But what Arnie actually did was prop the car up on cinder blocks so that he could run Christine and her odometer would run backwards. And that's how she repaired herself was actually the engine running and the and the tires running. She didn't just sit there and do it, um, but she needed to run in order to repair herself. One very important difference, and I still remain annoyed about this, is that Roland LeBay, the original owner, was the one that sold her. He wasn't dead. Roland LeBay sold her. And George LeBay, his brother, was a much smaller part but a very important part. So Roland LeBay sold the car and then he died. Okay. And that matters because Roland LeBay is the one that's using the word shitter. He's the one making that comment about no, no smell like it except for pussy. Um, he's, he's the one with these weird characteristics that Arnie ends up picking up and it matters. It doesn't matter that Roland's, brother-in-law is using these words and having these characteristics because why in the world would Arnie be picking up those characteristics? Right. Right. Yeah. But Roland LeBay sells the car and then he dies. And then Arnie starts using the word shitter and having these characteristics. See that word matters because then Arnie starts saying it because Roland LeBay is in the car. So here's another thing they didn't make a huge issue out of is every time Christine was out killing people, Arnie had an ironclad alibi. Arnie was not with Christine when she was out killing people. Roland LeBay was driving her. Christine was not driving herself. Roland LeBay was driving her. And they did not make a big enough issue for my peace of mind about Arnie was 100% not with her when that was happening. I think that falls into one of those traps. And I know we've talked about it on here about sometimes adapting King. There's things that are just too fantastical that you can't translate. Only there's only been like a handful of directors that get that and can, you know, translate that. And I think what you're saying there with Roland LeBay driving, I mean, yeah, you could do just a ghost, but I don't know. It just, I don't, I think it's just one of those king traps. It's just that if you're going to remove that, then stop having Arnie say shitter, take the no greater smell than pussy out of the line. And the impact then of Arnie being there at the end. So what? It didn't matter because you didn't realize he hadn't been there before. So that's, that's just my thing. If you don't have those other things, then it doesn't matter at the end. There. I'm done. That was Donna's in the book corner. In the book <laughs> corner. I do need to tell you about my mom. So my mom, the Southern Baptist, was never a big fan of me reading all the Stephen King because, you know, it, it wasn't godly. But I had brought home my, you know, VHS of Christine. And uh, my mom walked into the room on LeBay's line, ain't no greater smell than that, except maybe for pussy. <laughs> Sorry. 
which cemented in her mind that Stephen King was of the devil. That's a direct quote. Stephen King is of the devil. He might be. She might be right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not a deal breaker for me. I'm just, yeah. We fought about that for years. <laughs> Every time I would pick up a new Stephen King, we would have to have a fight. And I was like, have you seen me sacrifice a goat lately? <laughs> I like the lately qualifier on there. Like, obviously, I've been sacrificing goats, but I'm done with that period now. It's not doing it for me like I thought it would. And by the way, my firstborn, still alive. I don't know if you've noticed, still alive, still coming to Thanksgiving. We've heard your side of the story. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, that was, she She had an, an ability to walk it. There was, uh, I, I also thought that my folks would like uh, Firefly. And uh, so... I got them trying to watch Firefly and I was rewatching Firefly at the same time. And mom managed to walk in on the scene where um, Mal and Wash are being tortured. Yeah. And she turned around to me and said, you like this? Just, just go, just go. <laughs> this is some kind of innate mom ability. <laughs> um. <laughs> Anyway, that that's the end of that story. But yeah, we we fought about Stephen King for most of the rest of her life because he was of the devil. Of the devil. Yeah. I kind of low-key want that, uh, you know, on his author byline is Stephen King of the devil. <laughs> well, he does have the thing of evil in his house. So. He does. He does have Molly. Yeah. Yeah. His little corgi for anyone who's not a twitter follower of stephen king no <laughs> i think that's everything i had to say except that his best friend dennis arnie's best friend dennis could have been a lot more helpful to arnie i was a little irritated with dennis at the beginning of the film when dennis's friend came up and started talking to dennis and the friend was being mean to arnie and all dennis would have had to have done is say one comment to include arnie in the conversation that was very un-King-like. I feel like he would have had Dennis include him. Mm -hmm. And especially during that time, I feel like there would have been just a a little... But then again, with this going back to being the boy version of Carrie, I mean, Sue didn't do really... Sue didn't do a lot. But then Sue, Sue wasn't really Carrie's friend. No, no, that's true. That's true. Um, Sue just didn't enjoy the Sue, meanness Sue just yeah. felt guilty yeah yeah that's exactly right I will say this and this film is the most normal looking John Carpenter cast that I I can <laughs> like there's a lot of normies in because you mm. don't have any Carpenter staples true well I, I just don't think Kurt Russell would have would have been a good Arnie I'm just I'm sorry yeah. no but I mean with how old the bully is. Yeah. I mean, I know he's only, he, the actor playing him's 23. That's the oldest and roughest 23 year old I have ever seen. You could have had Kurt play. <laughs> could have. <laughs> Although if, if, if Kurt was willing to go for like the computer war tennis shoes era at the beginning, like really channel his early work, he could have been an Ari like starting out. And then he's like, by the end of the movie, he's snake Pliskin. That would have been something. 
<laughs> it would have been it would have been rough, but he I, I think he could have done it. Think he could have done it. We would have enjoyed it, but we'd have been like, come on, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> what what are we doing? What are we as I'm sitting here going? I was impressed by some like the acting for what it was in the movie. Like I think, uh, aside from uh, Travolta's stunt double, which I'm just glad he got work, right? The rest of the cast felt believably kiddish. Uh, Don and I were even remarking on that to each other that these feel like seventeen year olds more than you would expect in movies like this. I also thought like where uh, the lady who played Lee is. It feels like she's maybe a newer actress, maybe not as experienced, but she plays one moment absolutely perfectly where uh, Arnie's talking about, hey, we should apply to the same colleges so we could take it as a sign that we should be together. She gives him this look like, what? No. <laughs> and I'm like, I I see you. <laughs> you had to give that look for real not that long ago. And the sense memory was there. We did not have to do a lot of work with you to get you into the method mindset of, oh, no, this is getting too much, whatever it is. I think actually my favorite line delivery was from Buddy Repperton because he was a good actor. He 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 delivered those lines well. He was believable as a bully. And then he was required to deliver the line. He's lying, Mr. Whatever your name is. I swear to God. Mr. Cotter. Mr. Cotter. (laughs) Mr. Cotter. (laughs) He's lying, Mr. Cotter. I swear to God. Which required a bad line reading. Yeah. He delivered a bad line reading because Buddy Reverton is lying and had to give a bad line reading on that line. And he delivered it perfectly. And I just, I don't know. It feels to me like it must have been hard. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I've never been a good actor. But it feels to me like giving a bad line reading on that line must have been hard. It's tricky to switch gears and and offer the reality of reliably acting as someone who cannot act. Yeah. So he he did really good on that. And I was, you know, I, I was impressed. Like the other great example of that, I think, in, in film is Paul Rubens in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. He plays Pee-wee so perfectly, like all throughout the movie. And then at the end where they're seeing the movie based on what just happened, he has the cameo as the bellhop and he has to do like a master's course in bad movie acting, bad line readings. Can't he like he's looking at the camera? Yeah, all, all of that is incorporated. And you it's a it's a gear shift. I think that's a right analogy for this movie. It's 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 a weird gear shift. Other than that, my only other note I have is just I love the car stunts and the stuff that mm. they did with the car. And yeah, Moochie's death is when that carpenter score kicks in, Christine's theme, and that was that was when I was in. Like yeah. once I was like, inject that into my veins. Give me that that music. I, I am here for it. And then just watching the practical car stunts. Like I, I know earlier this year we did death proof. I'm hearing Kurt Russell in my head. Like you got to get a car that's death proof. That's real stuntmen driving real cars. <laughs> I got to tell you, every time you say that Carpenter score kicks in, my brain goes. <laughs> exactly. There feels like there's a couple of weird flaws in the movie. Like, 
you, you talk about the, the the carpenter score and I'm like, I need more of it. You're oh, yeah, yeah, good yeah. halfway through the movie. Whereas like his earlier ones are like, hello, welcome to a John Carpenter movie. Here's all the score. Here's the themes before we get started. Hi. I do agree. Yeah. It, it more, was a... more films needed a prelude like that. You know? <laughs> I I like the, 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 detect, the detective played by Harry Dean Stanton. But at the end, he is on board with what has happened, like, way too tidy. He's just standing there with him, looking at the crushed car, going like, well, my investigation is done. I clearly see a crushed car. I'm going to move on, guys. Best of luck to you both. We killed the ghost car. <laughs> it's over. He takes, makes a note. I'll put that in my report. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for being complete and thorough so that I don't get any follow-up questions from any of my superiors. Good day. Good day. <laughs> I believe that was another in the book situation. Uh. Was it? Okay. Well, like it feels like in the in the King book, there might be some connective tissue of him, the, the detective understanding what happened, getting the information and believing it. In the movie, it is the car gets crushed and we see the crushed car, and he's just standing there, like, well, I, I have no follow-up questions. I <laughs> This feels tidy to me. I'm I'm just gonna call this a day. We good? We good? All right. To be fair, he believed Arnie had done it, and Arnie was dead. So to be fair, okay. his suspect yeah. was gone. So if it had been played like that, and not them all looking at the crushed car, going, "Well, another successful case for two kids and Harry Dean Stanton." Let's <laughs> let's cheeseburgers, everybody, like uh, soft serve something. Something celebratory. <laughs> oh, you killed Kenzie. Oh, I'm, no. I'm dead. I'm dead because I'm just imagining it animated like Scooby-Doo style. And I'm I'm, 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 I'm gone. And, and what kind of creepy ass auto registration does this town have where you're like, okay, we'd like to register this car, please. Oh, you mean the death car? <laughs> well, we'll have to get the special paperwork for that. Just a moment, please. <laughs> We talked to the auto registration people, Arnie, and they say people died in that car. Where is that in the form? Okay, well, switching of ownership and title due to mysterious death. Checkbox. <laughs> <laughs> That's about all I had. Well, then I say let's move on to rule polling quote. Donna, you have our quote. Yeah, yeah, I do. I have our quote. Hey! Cunningham, you ain't mad, are you? Just for the record, we had all came with quotes from this film. Most of us had a lot of overlapping quotes. This was the one that we all had, but I'm sorry, but like I had a lot of the ones that was like shitter this, shitter that. So we were prepared, but this yeah. one we had everybody. <laughs> Yeah, somehow I managed to tag 13 separate quotes when I forgot to take bring my notepad to the theater and was just quietly like adding them into my cell phone as we went. I I flagged this quote halfway through the movie. She stopped the screening for anybody else that was there and was like, <laughs> we've got the quote. Stop writing things down, we're done. <laughs> I mean, she yanked my notebook out of my hand. <laughs> Threw it in the garbage. Yeah. yeah. She went up to the other people like, we got the quote, guys. We're done. I looked at Mac and said, if I see that phone again, I'm calling I'm calling security. <laughs> Everybody in this theater, listen to me. That was the quote. 
<laughs> how Donna became Ron Burgundy at that moment. Like it was weird. Like it was a weird shift. Oh, Donna, we love you. <laughs> you ain't mad, are you? <laughs> it was the biggest laugh during the screening. But was that me laughing the loudest? Because I laughed a couple of times really loud. <laughs> I think it was everybody got okay. a good, like it was a good collective chuckle. All right. All, all nine of us laughed pretty hard. Okay. Because yeah. I know there was a couple of times that I'm like, oh, that was only me laughing. And that, <laughs> and that was really loud. <laughs> oh, I've been that guy. The only guy laughing in the theater. I laugh pretty hard at horror movies, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we all, for rule, we all have our own rule, which, don't buy a used car. Uh, get off the road! My only problem with either of those is that plenty of used cars are fine, and I don't think getting off the road would have saved you from Christine. Christine didn't seem, like, uh, first kill guy got off the road, got into the alley, and Christine was like, uh, don't give a shit, crash! So the real rule, I think that would have saved everybody. Maybe not the LeBays. But certainly would have saved Arnie and anyone that Arnie came into contact with was always get the Carfax, whatever you do. Even if you're just buying it from creepy old dudes in the middle of junk fields, just 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 do it. Yeah, that's I'd say that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. that's a good. Yeah, that's the rule. All right. Immacula, you have our poll question. Now, as we were talking, I kind of looked up some things. So there might be some discussion points here. But uh, how do we think Christine got that way? especially since it was evil rolling off the line. Now, before we talked about, we talked about how in the book, it might've been a little bit different. The, looking over a couple of Wikipedia articles and, and synopses, there is at least an interpretation that the car wasn't supernaturally evil until the death of the LeBay, uh, the LeBay's wife and daughter, that it could possibly be possessed by them in the book and then it's also possible that like it absorbs souls that it takes in. So it also has big LeBay in there as well. Hence why Arnie is starting to take on some of his more charming characteristics. But in the movie, that's out of the window. It is evil on the assembly line. How did it get that way? Okay, I'm kind of an obvious person here. And I think I like the idea that... The, the automobile got a taste for blood when the guy's hand slammed, you know, got slammed. And that blood, for whatever reason, because this is a supernatural, fantastical entity in a Stephen King <laughs> adaptation, I like that it's just evil. Like, that the blood, once it got the taste for blood, then it's it became self-aware, for lack of a better term. And that's what it needed. I don't remember the book well enough to remember. So I'm going to go with this. If you recall... Every other fury that came down that line was white. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Christine was red. So as we know, things that are red are Evil. bad. It was in the paint. Yep. It was the paint. That lead yeah. paint. I think I remember at some point saying, because like there's a, a later book where King kind of hangs a lampshade on it. Like they didn't actually make a red fury in that year. Uh, it was his imagination. And I think it was like 112263 where the main character is like, he sees a red Plymouth Fury and it goes like, ah, they didn't make that in that color. That's weird. Move Moving right along. Oh, that is okay. weird. It's not one of the production models. Like a custom job could get you a, a red Fury like that, but it didn't come off the, 
Oh. Didn't come from didn't, didn't come from the manufacturer that way. How can they not make a red car? Because despite what I just said, red is my favorite color. And if I can't get it in red, I'm not buying it. Fair. Yeah. My, my theory is that there was a labor dispute in the plant and trying to make a point to management, they enlisted the services of a spiritualist and said, okay, put an evil spirit in the car. That'll, that'll show management. Then they'll capitulate to our demands, but it didn't work out. And then they just forgot to remove the evil spirit, and now we have a problem forever? Yeah. That tracks, yeah. actually, yeah. That's the American auto industry for you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I, I knew I was forgetting one thing. Did we get the demon out of the car? Oh, well, we already sold it. Yeah, what are you going to do? Demon car. Yeah. We, we have to recall one particular car. From... Did anyone write that VIN now? <laughs> no. Like. Not not a manufacturer defect, people. Please, please, please calm, calm down. It's an occult thing. It was a labor dispute. I think we just, if you happen to have a Red Fury, bring it into the dealership. We'll we'll draw some pentagrams. We'll have we'll have the right kind of exorcist pr- professionals on staff in our garages. We'll call the Winchesters. They're not yeah. born yet. Oh oh. There's got to be all Winchester somewhere up the line. <laughs> and on that note, do we have anything else about Christine? Oh, one other, one other dumb moment. Like he, he's arguing with Lee. Uh, Arnie is, and and, and they, they like. Oh, la, 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 la. Then he hangs up the phone, and then he picks it up again, expecting her to still be there. And I'm like, I, I think I lean over to Donna. Like, I don't think he gets how phones work. <laughs> like, ah, I hate you too. Click. Wait a minute, Lee, are you still there? She's not there. You have to redial the phone, Arnie. Not every machine you come into contact with has a magical mind of its own and capitulates to your every whim, except it also wants in return your soul. It's a telephone. He also doesn't understand how women... Let me back up. He also doesn't understand how people work. I don't understand how people work. That's... I, I can't I can't convict somebody for that, but he's 17 and he just like, Oh, I hang up the phone. And then it, it like, this is just the Lee machine. I pick this up and Lee's on the phone. That's how phones work. I have to go find another phone. If I want to talk to my boyfriend, which is anyway. every male member of the cast, apparently. All right. Well, on that note, I will go first on happy place. So my happy place this week was that I got to go see Christine with both of you and editor Billy. And it was a delight. Take our happy place. Come on. Yeah. It was so much fun. I love seeing both of y'all's faces in person and then to get to experience a movie together, which I think the last one we did, Donna and I did for the the show was uh, uh, It Chapter One. So we did Hannibal together, not in the theater. Not in the theater. But yeah, we did do Hannibal together. But so and that was I think I was my happy place that week, too. So, you know, when it gets to happen, I enjoy it. And so, yeah, that was my happy place this week. Didn't we do Creep Show after It Chapter One? I wasn't on the show yet for It Chapter One, so it would have to have been Creep Show. Okay, then maybe Creep Show was the last one that we all did in the theater. Regardless, when we get to do this together, I always have a good time. And it's it's always great to see both of y'all's, y'all's faces in person. So that was my happy place. Okay, watch me. I'm cheating. Watch right. me cheat. Okay, cheat. I got to be there for the first time Kinsey saw a movie, and it was fantastic. A it Carpenter was, movie, no less. A Carpenter movie, a Stephen King movie. I got mm-hmm. to sit there by Kinsey the first time she saw Christine. 
the it was unicorn, fantastic. the unicorn of movie going experiences. Um, yeah, th- that experience did not leave me very happy. So I'm not going to choose that as my happy place. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm just not going to make it a three beat. <laughs> it would have been uh, so cool if you did, though. What are the bad I felt like we were not delivering the the proper quotient of happy things to our to our listeners. Uh, my wife and I did uh, Jurassic Park at the Admiral Twin Drive-In. Um, that was uh, great fun because we had to see it on the biggest screen possible and talk throughout it, like to each other. Like I don't want to hear other people, but I don't, I don't, I don't mind talking about it with her. So that's pretty dope. When I was younger, we used to do the teenager thing of sneaking into the Admiral Twin in the trunk of the car, mm. which was. I don't know. It was it was fun. I can't imagine they didn't notice that the back end of that car wasn't <laughs> like this because there was, you know, a couple hundred pounds of human in the back end of the car. But God damn, it was fun. That's pretty dope. Yeah, I, I pitched for us to do a collective movie there later this year, but uh, we're not that excited about the movie in question. <laughs> so it's not going to happen. Yeah. And yeah. also nobody wanted to get in the trunk. True. The trunks are more comfortable now. And you can get out of them by yourself. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the chances of death are greatly reduced. You get into Christine's trunk. That's it. Like you're just staying. you're done. Yeah. yeah. You're crushed. <laughs> well, we're still on Twitter at Beyond Cabin, on Facebook, Instagram, and Threads. We're Beyond the Cabin in the Woods. Our website and Blue Sky username is Beyond the Cabin in the Woods.com. I am on Twitter, Instagram. And Threads and Blue Sky as at Callista77. I'm on uh, Blue Sky at DragonGoblin.com and Instagram at DragonGoblin. There's no I in Goblin. I don't really do a lot on either one of those, but hey, I'm there. And sometimes I'm funny. Sometimes I'm political. Sometimes you're both. Yep. Sometimes I'm both. Uh, I have a Twitter and Instagram, but they are not especially active, i.e. not active at all. But I will regularly post on Spoutable and Blue Sky. Everything's going to be at Party Apocalypse, I think. I'm pretty sure that's what the Instagram is. But it doesn't matter because there's nothing there. Don't go to find me on Instagram. It's not worth your time. Partyapocalypse.com has this fine podcast and other fine podcasts, including uh, The Holodeck is Broken and uh, Disorganized, a Criminal Minds podcast. We also have full runs of As the Myth Turns, Friendables, Two Friends Talking About Hannibal Lecter, and The Fourth Wall. And we also have books, blogs, movie reviews, and nothing else. As always, thank you to our editor, Billy, who makes us sound fantastic and professional. We do appreciate everything that you do. Thank you, Billy. We love you. And thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us if you aren't already doing so. And don't read the Latin. Do you know what horror is?